You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Good morning, good morning. I'm going to go ahead and start my introduction. Just in case you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon. Check them out if you get some time. Hello, hello. If you've read any of my books, I would greatly appreciate a review. Please go back to Amazon and leave a review or wherever you purchase the book from. I have a podcast. The name of the podcast is Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. I'm recording the latest episode live on Instagram. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much for listening. When you get time, pause the podcast and leave me a review. I'm also on YouTube, so I reformat these on YouTube. Maybe you're watching on YouTube in the future. Thank you for watching. Hit that subscribe button and give me a thumbs up and hit the bell button if you want to be notified every time I release a new walk talk. Also on Instagram, if you want to be notified every time I go live, I don't have any set schedule to this. So if you want to know when I go live, just go to my profile and turn notifications on. I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4, and there's no list of qualifications or authority. The word pastor was created by Ignatius of Antioch around 100 AD, and he took this word and created a position, started putting people in charge, and then by about the year 250 AD, the pastor, quote, position was commonplace. However, that's nowhere to be found in the Bible. The only comprehensive section of the Bible that describes our gatherings is 1 Corinthians 14. And when we look at this passage, we see no indication that a person named pastor is in charge. Instead, we see a group. We see people getting together, everybody sharing, everybody expressing what's on their hearts, and loving one another, even in the midst of the chaos. And to get even more context, I recommend that you start back in chapter 11 and then also read 12 of 1 Corinthians, and you will see the description of the body of Christ. We are a body. There's not one individual body part, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. If there's one part, where is the body? So we are a body of Christ. No pastor's in charge. I'm not in charge of you. You're not in charge of me. We are pretty much a group. And Christ is the head. We see in the book of Colossians that Christ is the head of the body, the church. The, what else? What else is part of my introduction? So, oh, I don't know everything. (laughs) I don't have to know everything. When we look at scripture, we don't see people who know everything. We see people who are learning and growing and maturing. And if you follow a ministry or an individual who claims to know everything, just understand that's error. That is that person's struggle. They are finding their identity and knowing everything. Some people, you will never hear them say such a thing as I don't know everything. Because they want to prove that they know everything. So that's why I put that in my introduction because I never want you to think I know everything. I got to go to Matt for everything. I'm just going to share with you what I know so far. Okay. (laughs) We're the same. Uh, You know, I'm the hand, you're the foot, so on and so forth. We are a body. We work together. If you learn something, I could learn from you. So I hope whenever I do my walk talks, you guys get that feeling of, Yes, Matt doesn't know everything, but I enjoy what he has to say. Here's what I do want you to know that I know 100%. Jesus. So that's what we need to know, who we need to know. And when I say Jesus, I'm talking about what he has done. Through the cross, which is completely forgive you. And then through the resurrection, which has made you completely righteous. Those two things you'll never change my mind about. You will never convince me that somebody can out what happened at the cross. You might as well keep it to yourself. You will never convince me that somebody can undo their righteousness. You might as well keep it to yourself. Because 
through the cross, we became completely forgiven once and for all time. All of our sins were forgiven past, present, and future. All of your sins were in the future when Jesus died for them. So you're going to have to repent for a different reason than more forgiveness in regard to your actions and attitudes. Now, in regard to your righteousness, I'll never change my mind on that either. Your righteousness is a free gift. It's nothing you can earn. God doesn't owe you righteousness. He has given it to you through the resurrection. So the cross, forgiveness, the resurrection, your righteousness. I will stand my ground. These are the hills I will die on. The hill I will die on. Your complete forgiveness, complete righteousness. You'll never change my mind on it. So that part I do know. Deal with it. If you can't stand that, I might not be your cup of tea. You might want to go find somebody else who will give you a behavior improvement program. I'm not going to do that. Anytime I talk about your behavior, it's going to be based on your identity. All right. Now, um, if you want to contact me, I always welcome your interaction. You can contact me via my website. Just go over to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. All right. So let's get to today's walk talk. Why tithing guilt has to stop or why tithing guilt needs to stop. So what is tithing guilt? Tithing guilt is somebody guilting you into giving 10% of your income. Even hearing that for the first time, when I first began to understand these truths that are based on the new covenant, it was like, eh, that can't be right, Matt. Eh, that can't be right, Matt. Why did I think that? Why did I think when I first understood what Christ has done, bringing the new covenant and understanding the truth about the word tithe, T-I-T-H-E, why was my mind just like eh, eh, going against it? Because of the error I had been taught. Your conscience can be trained by error. Your feelings come from your conscience. This is why it's so important to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because when you get new information about the truth of what the cross and the resurrection accomplished, you enjoy the new covenant. You enjoy your freedom. Freedom is scary. Freedom is not fair. <laughs> Grace is not fair. Freedom is scary. When you are first told you are never commanded to tithe and you're told the opposite for so long, it's hard to compute. Now, when we are trained with error, it's going to take time to overpower old thoughts. So my recommendation is listen to the Holy Spirit. Give it time. How do you know you're listening to the Holy Spirit? It's really simple. We see the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5. We see the love of God listed in 1 Corinthians 13. We see how Jesus says things are supposed to be set up for everybody who will trust him easy, light, burden-free. So when we're trained with the opposite, we think something that is not the truth. So when I say why tithing guilt needs to stop, there are some thoughts a lot of people get. And I'm going to go over three of those thoughts today. Now, the three thoughts, I'm going to tell you what they are in the beginning, and then I'm going to, and I could go over <laughs> at least 20 if I wanted to type them out, but I thought of three this morning that I get quite a bit. The three thoughts are, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna tell you what these thoughts are. I'm gonna talk a little bit about tithing. I'm gonna refer you to some deeper teachings on tithing that I've done in the past. And then I'm gonna break down the answers to these. Cause these are just common phrases of guilt about tithing. All right, so number one, how will we pay our bills? How will the church pay their bills? How's the church going to pay for the lights? 
Okay, that's the first one. How will we pay our bills? And when I say we, I'm talking about a church building, okay? Do you see what I did there? Because the church is not a building. The word church in the Bible is never describing a building. It's always describing the ecclesia, the body of Christ. And the ecclesia is more of an organism. It is something that is always at work. So, but today, when I say these statements of guilt, I'm actually going to be referring to the building. All right. So the first one is how will we pay our bills? The second one is if you don't want to give 10%, you have a heart issue. Okay. That's the second one. And then the third one is if 10% was required in the old covenant, then we should be giving more in the new covenant. All right. So there's the three. Now, before I get into these, the answer to these three, how will we pay our bills? <laughs> if you don't want to give 10%, you have a heart issue. And then if 10% is required for the old covenant, we should be giving more on the, in the new covenant. I want to direct you to some things I've written and some videos I've made. Now, I'm not going to dive into the truth about tithing today because that would take up the entire time. I wanna to stick to these three common phrases about guilt, but if you want to go over every single passage about the tithe, I've gone over it, Old Covenant and New Covenant. To find that, all you have to do is go to my YouTube channel and then search, Christians are not commanded to tithe in my name. Also, the last walk talk I did before this one, it's called The Truth About Priests. I dive very deep into Malachi 3 because that's all based on giving to the priests from the tribe of Levi. So search those two things. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm not sure what episode it is uh, that the Christians aren't commanded to tithe. If you go to my YouTube channel in the description, I actually have the podcast episode in the description. So you can go to my YouTube channel, search the description, find that Walk Talk podcast episode, then you can search the podcast. And then the truth about priests, the truth about priests, I got tons of good feedback from people on just the, the richness of what I went over in regard to the tithe, where it came from, what it was for, and priests on this side of the cross and how we are not commanded whatsoever to tithe, okay? Just <laughs> calm down. We're going to get to it, okay? Because when we first hear this, we think we are hearing, don't give. I remember when I first heard this, I was like, this cannot be true. But then something hit me. If we just, on this side of the cross, replace the word tithe, T-I-T-H-E, with the word give, so much confusion will go away. Okay? I'm not saying don't give. I'm saying don't tithe. That's the difference. Okay, so search those two YouTube videos. Also, you can read, I wrote two chapters in my books. You can read those. Just go to my website and type in tithing, or you can Google tithe in my name, and it'll pop up on the first page of Google. But I did two very deep writings on this topic. The first one is the truth about tithing. The second one is how tithing has been incorrectly taught. Okay, so search those out, read those, watch those, listen to those, and I think it will really help you, okay? Um, also, I wanted to talk about a book recommendation today that I've been reading a book and um, just finished. It's called A Church Building Every Half Mile by John Zins. Check this out. Um, it was referred to a friend of mine, it was referred to me by a friend of mine, but it is an excellent book, and it is called A Church Building every half mile a church building every one half mile by john zins z-e-n-s check it out i got mine on amazon it's a quick easy read 
and it's really going to help you out. Okay, so let's get to these three common phrases about tithing guilt because tithing guilt needs to go away and we need to stop guilting people into giving money. So let's talk about some of the biggest rebuttals we get to this. Okay, number one, how will we pay our bills? Matt, if you're saying nobody needs to tithe, how will we keep the lights on? How will pastor get a salary? How will we fill in the blank? So the problem with this is they think I'm saying don't give. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're free. The reality is most people don't tithe anyway. And those who do tithe, they don't give the full 10%. So pressuring people into giving 10% doesn't work anyway. So we might as well stop pressuring people into 10% and do this in order to pay your bills. If you have a church, if you're a church leader, this is all you have to do. And this is what the early church did. Let your requests be made known. Tell people what you need. How simple. <laughs> I'm going to let my Christian brothers and sisters know exactly what the mortgage is on this building. I'm going to let my Christian brothers and sisters know exactly what my salary is. Okay, I'm going to let my Christian brothers know we want to do this in the community. I'm going to let my Christian brothers and sisters know this is how much is in the pot. I'm just going to tell them. That's how my bills will be paid. I'm not going to get up on stage and Malachi 310 them. I'm not going to get up on stage and make them feel excited. Yeah, even excited. Because... Paul said, the only instant, we, the only passage, let me talk about this for just a second before I get into that. The only New Testament indication of how we are to give is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Does Paul say, keep up with the tithe, give 10%, don't rob God, test God in this, see if he won't bless you. He says none of that stuff. What's he say? Give out of your abundance. Give freely from the heart. Now listen to this. Not under pressure. What would pressure be? You better tithe or God's not going to bless you. You got to test God in this. You don't rob God. That's pressure. Or compulsion. Compulsion would be a testimonial on the screen or somebody coming up on stage giving a testimony about how when they committed to giving 10%, God finally blessed them financially. Or God finally healed them. Or God finally, that's compulsion. That is, I gotta give my money so that I get money like them. That is, I gotta give my money so that I can be healed of this cancer. <laughs> that is, I gotta give my money so that my child will get off the streets. I'm going to commit myself so I can be like this person. That's compulsion. That is rah-rah. That is <laughs> it's a motivational conference. It's no different. You do not give to God to get. Period. Not one instance on this side of the cross, since Christ brought in the new covenant, do we ever see, give your money, God will give you money back. Every Bible verse you're thinking of right now, if you're thinking that that's what it is, you're in error, friend. The context is off. Somebody has taught you wrong. Go back, read all around it, all around it, read the book, read the gospel of it, and understand this is not a commandment 
to pressure people to give money to a church building, to a pastor, in order to have their bills paid. Because when I help them pay their bills, God will bless me. Now, some people will say, no, I'm living proof. I've given the tithe. I've helped them keep the lights on. I, 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 I. That right there is a red flag for you, friend. Paul said in Romans chapter 11, if it's based on works, which is I, it's not based on grace. Therefore, this type of give to get my commitment, my dedication is erroneous. Everything that God has given to you, he gives to you because he loves you. So if you're looking to giving 10% to the church in order for them to pay their bills, so God will pay you back in an abundance. And if you're going back to Malachi, that's out of context. Malachi 3 is not about you giving money to a building in order to receive a return. Malachi 3 is about food for the Levitical priests to be able to eat. That's it. The priests weren't allowed to eat. They had a storehouse where grain was stored. 10% of the Jews, the Jews' grain was put in there. The Jews never tithed money. They tithed grain. They tithed spices. They tithed cattle. And it was all meant to fill the bellies of the Levitical priests who weren't allowed to work. Okay. All right, let's go on to number two. Number two is, if you don't want to give 10% of your money, you have a heart issue. That's way up there on the list of common phrasing, common phrases of tithing guilt. You need to check your heart. Oh, you don't want to give? You can't even give 10%? You give this. This is, this is your first fruits. And again, the first fruits, where's that coming from? The old covenant. The first fruits is the first 10% of their crops, their spices, their cattle to the Levites so they can eat. On this side of the cross, do we see any indication of us giving a first fruit? No, it's not there. But we go back into the old covenant. We pull out the covenant that we pull out the commandments, one of the 613. And we try to retrofit it into what we call church today and say, you have a nasty, disgusting heart and you're proving it because you don't want to give 10%. So somebody sitting in the crowd they're going to prove my heart's not nasty. My heart's not wicked. My heart's not sinful. I am going to give 10% to prove that. It's, it's pretty convenient for those who are pushing this. It's pretty convenient for <laughs> those who are on stage who are making a fortune off tithing and the offering above the tithe. And then you also have certain, I'm not going down that path today, but it's convenient. It's, it is convenient to tell people you need to check your heart if you don't want to give 10%. That's actually the opposite of how we are to give. Because Paul said, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, what do you say? Give freely from the heart. So if I'm giving freely, first of all, freely would mean no number. If you decide to give 10%, that's your prerogative, but you are still choosing 10% freely. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> you got to deal with this. So if you decide, I'm going to give 10%, I have made up in my mind that I want to give 10%, that is your choice. 
That is your freedom. But there is nothing in scripture that demands you, Christian, to give 10%. Also, Paul says, give from the heart. How often are we told you have a wicked, sinful, deceitful heart? You should never follow your heart. That's the worst thing you could possibly do is follow your heart. (laughs) We hear that a lot. So if I have a wicked, sinful, deceitful heart, yet Paul is telling me to give from my heart, why don't I just give sinfully? Why don't I just give in a wicked way? Do you see how we have to do mental gymnastics when we mix the covenants? When we take the passages from the old covenant describing unbelievers who have wicked, sinful, deceitful hearts to you. And then we guilt people, tell them to check their heart. Okay, so if I'm supposed to check my heart, my heart is free, Paul says, and I'm supposed to give from the heart then I shouldn't be guilted into giving 10% of my income. If I decide to give you 10%, I will do that. (laughs) If I decide to give you 1%, if I decide to give you 80%, if I decide not to give you anything, yes, anything. I'm going to repeat that because this was hard for me too. If I don't have a number, what do I give? Can that number be zero? Yes. Whatever caveat you want to slap on that, I'm giving it no attention whatsoever. Because that caveat removes your freedom again. Some pastors will say, yeah, you're free. You don't have to give the tithe. If you don't want to give your money for a season, then don't. They stick that in there because there are some new covenant preachers out there. They fully understand this, but you'll never hear them say, if you never gave a dime to a church for the rest of your life, you're completely righteous. You're completely forgiven. There's nothing wrong with you. God's not going to punish you. You'll, you won't hear that because they still have to have that dark cloud of some type of, you got to give your money. And God doesn't work like that. God needs nothing, the book of Acts says. So who needs it? This building, this location, who is who has set up a mortgage, who has set up programs, who has light bills. Now, if you want to give to this location, do it freely from the heart, not under pressure, not under compulsion. You're free. You have to deal with your freedom. This is ultimately why the early church was slaughtered. You're free. Freedom is scary. Freedom removes power. Freedom removes hierarchies. Freedom removes everything that our modern church has built. But freedom is the gospel. You don't have a wicked, sinful, deceitful heart. Unbelievers do. Stop applying Bible verses describing somebody who has never trusted God to yourself. Romans 6, 17 says, you have become obedient from the heart. When you first hear this, you think behavior. Because obedience hounders focus on what you do. If you don't want to give 10%, you need to check your heart. You're not obedient to the Lord. Wrong. If I decide to give anything to you, it is coming from my heart. So if I am not excited about your law grace mixture, I'm not giving you a dime. 
If I finally learned the truth about the new covenant and I am continuing to go to your building and yet you never talk about Jesus, he's no more than a mascot. I'm not giving you a half of a red cent. I'm not excited about that message. I don't want that message to flourish. So if I'm going to give anything, it is because I like that message. Now, what are you basing your adoration of that message on? Is it, I love these testimonials about how these people committed to their obedience to showing their heart is good. And now look at just, look how amazing their family is. Look at, look at their business. Look at, look at everything. I want that. I'm giving. If you're wanting that, give, do give. If that's what you want, try it, do it. That's your prerogative. You're free because we see no commandment on this side of the cross for you to give 10%. So if you are excited about that message, give, but your heart is still good. You're just struggling with the error of give to get. You, you're serving money, not God. So many people say, well, you're just proving where your heart is. <laughs> Think about it. Yes, you absolutely are. I'm saying I am going to give you money. So you give me money back plus more. It is the church lotto. And it's set up on these tithing guilt phrases. And then it could be on the opposite side. <laughs> Somebody could get up and just wail into the crowd and you love it. <laughs> oh yeah, get them, get them, get them, get them, get them. Yeah, get them, get them, get them. Yeah, get them. I'm nothing like any of these people in here. And then you stand up first and pull out your billfold. I'm giving to this message because this is the word of God. This is them standing on the truth. I'm giving to this message. That's what I'm excited about. You're free. If you want to do that. <laughs> it's up to you. But if you've trusted in Jesus, you still have a good heart. You're just struggling with that flavor of error. <laughs> All right. So your heart is good. Your heart is obedient. The word obedient, the word obedience in scripture is always referring to what you believe. <laughs> yep. Think about that. Reread the passages. And when you read those passages, obedience is believing. So we have become obedient from the heart. Therefore, we give from the heart, not under pressure, <laughs> not under compulsion. All right, let's go on to the third one. So the third tithing guilt statement is if 10% is the requirement for the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, then on the, in the New Covenant, on this side of the cross, we should be giving more than 10%. So they only had to give 10% back then. Therefore, 10% should be the beginning of what we give the foundation. We should be giving more goodness. I hear this. <laughs> this is very, very common, especially <laughs> don't do it. McMillan, just stay on track. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hmm. just getting a little triggered here. I've been triggered this entire walk talk, but you guys can't tell because I am expressing my self control <laughs> because this topic triggers me. It's because you got a wicked heart, McMillan. 
Convenient, right? <sighs> okay, let's get back on track. I'm back. All right. So if we are going to use this on people, that if 10% was required, according to the old covenant, so we should be given a minimum of 10% on this side of the cross. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> okay. Then you are saying the new covenant is more stringent than the old covenant. You are saying grace is <laughs> worse than law because that is a law. That is a commandment. That is one of the 613 commandments in the law. And it's not money. <laughs> and testing God would be stopping stealing food from a silo. So that he can open up the floodgates of heaven, which is clouds to give you rain. So you can have more grain, spices, and water to feed your cattle. <laughs> Grace is... <laughs> I did really good this whole time. <laughs> Grace is not... Grace is better. Grace is better. If we are going to say that 10% is the foundation because that is what they gave in the old covenant. Now we should be giving more... The reality is you, re I shouldn't say you, the reality is that person, <laughs> it might be you. If you're watching this and you're thinking, oh yeah, get to it, get to it. Yep. You're going to, yeah. you would be saying that we actually have to give more than 23% because the tithe, the word tithe literally means 10%. Yes. But by the time you added up all of their different tithes, they had three different types of tithing the number was closer to 23%. So then if you're saying we should give 11%, then, then, no, hold on. So now you got to give 24%. <laughs> Grace is not more stringent than the law. Deal with it. The, the gospel is not about what you give. It is about what Christ has given you and then you resting in that fact. And then every time you attempt to not rest, you exhale, you pump your brakes. You, okay, I'm going down this path and I don't need to. <laughs> Grace is not more stringent than the law. On this side of the cross, you give freely from the heart, not under pressure not under compulsion. You let your requests be made known. You understand I have a good heart. I have a new heart. My old heart has been removed and replaced with a good heart. Ezekiel 3.26, he prophesied about this. And then God causes you to walk in his ways. Ezekiel 3.27. So because I have a new heart, God is going to encourage me, help them, Pay for their meal. Give them a raise. Whatever. <laughs> uh, this guy stands on the corner every single day. You've been seeing him for three months and you know that he's drinking this money or shooting it up. Give him a $5 bill. Who cares what he's going to do with it? It's, it's from the heart. It's here. It's not arbitrary. It's... <laughs> You're excited about that message. Give them something. Yes, that's it. I want to help them out. Or keep your money. Keep your money. Don't give to that. You don't want that to spread. <laughs> or keep your money because you're having a difficult time this month. Or keep your money because you're just having a difficult time. Period. Month, year. I'm not going to put any number on it. We give... Because we have the giver in here. You know, the most famous Bible passage of all time explains how. <laughs> how we, for God so loved the world that he gave. We give. <laughs> we give. 
We make mature decisions based on the Holy Spirit's guidance. And sometimes we give, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we give a lot. Sometimes we give a little. There's no tithe. There's no guilt to be had. So when the guilt comes, you're like, oh, no, sorry. Not going to work. <laughs> I love you. You know, let's get coffee. Let's hang out. Let's play ball. Let's whatever. But uh, sorry. <laughs> Giving doesn't work like that with me. Because I'm standing on the truth of the gospel and we are to give freely. So when you decide to give, just know this. Freedom is your foundation. And then you have to deal with that. Whether you're a church leader, you you have to deal with that. Whether you're in the congregation, you have to deal with that. Whether you're whatever, trying to raise whatever, you have to deal with that. If you ever go back to the Bible and you attempt to use any passage to pressure people, guilt people into giving you money, you are in error. Let the chips fall where they may. We cannot build something on error and then sustain it on error, expecting the goodness of God to be expressed through it. It's going to go right back to the foundation. So we have to be, everything has to be built on freedom. So whatever thought you're having right now about something that is contrary to what I'm saying, think about where that's coming from and why is it based on you? Is it based on an institution? Is it based on pressure? Is it based on guilt? Is it based on compulsion? Is it based on motivation that has anything to do with the opposite of freedom? I'm sorry, but... The truth will set you free in your mind. You'll base everything on freedom. You'll enjoy rest. You won't think, I didn't tithe. This is why this is happening to me. Or I didn't give an offering above the tithe like the pastor said I needed to so that this would happen. All of those thoughts will go away. You'll know you're free. So when you decide to give any of your finances... That's how it happens. And then when the guilt and the pressure, the manipulation, the anger, the threats come, you can love them. They are the one with the weak faith, not you. They're serving God, not money. And even God doesn't need to be served. We, each other of us, need to be served. Our gifts are meant to serve one another. You have to deal with that too. God needs nothing. 1 Corinthians 12 says our gifts are meant to serve one another. It doesn't say anything about serving God. As we serve one another, God is involved with that. You have to learn to rest and let Jesus wash your feet. You get to rest. Can you call yourself a servant of God? If you want to, Paul did it. But this is not what we see today. It's, it's everything mixed in in order to, ooh, look at this. Or have mercy on me. None of that. This is why Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Servants don't know anything about their master's business. I call you friends. I call you friends. So you're not serving God by giving your tithe. How do you serve God? You rest and you let him serve you. Oh, what? This makes no sense to me. I get it. I get it. But just like Peter, no, God, you're not going to serve me. You're not washing my feet. 
I'm washing your feet, Jesus. Peter, let me serve you. And then from this, serve one another. And then Peter even said, after learning this in his epistle, he said, use your gifts to serve one another. Where did he learn this? Jesus, when Jesus forced him to let him serve him. But we get so hung up on these religious words. It's so precious to serve the Lord. Don't do it, Matt. Just don't. Just. <laughs> I just, I just know all the religious be freaking crap. Just wash it away. Get it out of your mind. God wants to serve you. You're not serving him. He needs nothing from you. You are going to have to learn to rest and let him call you friend and hang out with him. Why? Jesus! <laughs> everything Jesus stood for, everything Jesus did, everything Jesus continues to do in you and through you, with you. You don't need to be guilted into giving 10% of anything to anybody. You need to be encouraged with your freedom. You need to be encouraged with your complete forgiveness. Not having your forgiveness threatened, but encouraged. You need to have your righteousness encouraged, not threatened, but encouraged. But the opposite is taught everywhere. And hierarchies. Give to get. Obey pastor. Oh, that's a man of the Lord. That's a man of God. I get so annoyed when people call me a man of God. I'm just like, <sighs> and I don't respond. And normally I'm not super triggered like this, but man of God. I'm a foot. <laughs> Come on. I'm a part of the body. Man of God. Oh, that's a true woman of God. Just look at, look at everything she does. Look how modest she is. She's a She's a, an elbow, <laughs> you know, or a hand or whatever. We are a body of Christ. Stop giving honorific titles to people. Love one another. <laughs> Serve one another. Give freely from the heart, not under pressure. Oh, this has been a fun one. So why does tithing pressure need to stop? It doesn't work. It stirs up sin, cause people to be even more greedy, or it causes people to think that they give money to get money. Just get rid of it. Encourage who they are and then let them be themselves and figure it out. How about that? Let your requests be made known. Tell them they have a good heart. Let them know that the new covenant brought in your complete freedom and then deal with it. Let it go. If your entire church is set up on the opposite and then your church shuts down, then your church should shut down. I'm sorry. Start another church and do it the right way if you want. I don't know what to tell you. But here's what I do know. Jesus. And Jesus never pressures anybody to give 10%. The only time he mentioned the tithe was when he was rebuking a Pharisee for bragging on everything he was doing. That's it. Some people will say, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. Right here, Jesus said, you need to tithe. What were they giving to God? The tithe for the Levitical priests. What's the tithe? Food, spices, cattle. Are you doing that? No. So you can't use that. Oh, Malachi. He, uh, Abraham tithed Malachi before the law was even given. So right here, Malachi is proof. Excuse me. Melchizedek, Abraham tithed Melchizedek before the law was given. Okay, let's use that example. Abraham gave 10% to this mystery man named Melchizedek. Who was Melchizedek? Is it a pastor? Nope. Was it at a church? Nope. Did he do this every week? Nope. Did he tithe his income? Nope. Was Abraham a faithful tither? Nope. You can't use that. 
Oh, it says right here in Hebrews chapter seven that you got to tithe. Nope, same example. The, the example of Abraham tithing Melchizedek says nothing about a pastor, nothing about weekly, nothing about your income. And it would have been 23% at that point. This is an example of Jesus being greater than the Levites who were in the scrotum of Abraham. Abraham tithed Melchizedek. When you tithe before the law, this was a matter of honor. So therefore, Abraham is tithing, honoring, tithed once. Melchizedek. The author says Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek. That means he is greater than the Levites. So he's greater than the law. He's greater than the tithe. He's greater than everything. Deal with it, Hebrews. Same thing I'm telling you guys on this side of the cross. Deal with the Gentiles. Deal with the fact that you're free. The author of Hebrews is saying the same thing. You're free. (laughs) All right, guys. So I hope this has encouraged you today. Why tithing guilt needs to stop. Because everything you were guilty about, (laughs) Jesus paid for already. Romans chapter five says you now had peace with God because of Jesus. Romans chapter five also says the wrath of God was satisfied because of Jesus. The wrath over the sin of the world. Now there is a coming wrath. There's two wraths. The wrath over the sin of the world satisfied at the cross. The coming wrath is for this physical planet. It's going to burn up. We're going to get a new one. You're safe from that wrath too. Hebrews chapter nine says he will return without reference to your sin. You are eagerly awaiting him. First John 4, 17 says you can have confidence on your day of judgment because in this world, you are like him. You have nothing to fear. Not about giving, not about God's wrath, not about the end of time. Let's talk about the end of time. You have nothing to fear in regard to demons. Oh, I got to cast out all these demons. Come back next week. You go to that place. You get another demon. None of that. Any fly in the ointment is error to the good news, including tithing. So (laughs) you're free. So I hope this has encouraged you today thought it's i hope it has brought to light maybe some error that you struggled with about tithing why tithing guilt needs to stop it's because it doesn't work you don't need it you need to be yourself and you need to give freely from the heart that's it whatever you decide you're fine (laughs) don't tithe give simple replace that thought of a percentage with the word give and then also on top of that freely okay all right guys so always tell the truth about yourself what's the truth you're righteous you're holy you're blameless you're a new creation you're a child of god there's nothing wrong with you you should always give freely from the heart not under pressure not under compulsion So always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.